Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To the sweet sounds of Kevin Bloody Wilson, it's hump day with Swanee and friends, Samantha Riches, Dane Swan, and guest friend, Robbie Kearns. Woo-hoo. Thanks Hi, Robbie. for having me, guys. I've Kearns. been listening to you guys for a long time now. And, uh, Stalk, <laughs> stalking, I think, love it. stalking, I think, is the word. Yeah. Have you really? Interesting. Have, yes. We do get your listener questions every week. And if uh, our listeners um, would notice your questions come in and... and um, the more you send questions in, the more you likely you are yep. to get on the show by the yep. looks of things because yep. you're here. I'm here. I'm here. I finally got here. Uh, the um, Because it's a podcast, I don't say League Legend and, you know, and yes. New South Wales. It's more elusive. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Did, yeah, to go through all your, all, your, all your stats and everything like that because we just say, g'day. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll start with this. My, my, my grandfather had a running – he was a refugee. He had a running joke that he was a new Australian after 30-odd years or whatever. Are you a Melbourneian yet? Uh, it's funny. I've been here for 20 – coming up to 25 years and um, – <laughs> I am, I am, but I, it's funny, I always I get in a knack of saying uh, I'm going home for Christmas Yeah, right. when I say go back to Sydney. So I, I think maybe home is where the heartland is in the sense that uh, where my family grew up, where I grew up, and um, yeah, maybe that's where the you know, mum and, or oh, sorry, my, my father still lives there and maybe that's one day where I'll be be uh, put, put the... Br- Put the bed, so uh, not too sure. Yeah, but I was still called home, but yeah, definitely Melbourne, Melbourneian. I uh, love Melbourne. I've been here for twenty five years, and three beautiful kids, all born and bred down here. So um, I reckon I'll be here for a long time yet. What? Well, yeah, you said there's a microphone in front of you, Dave. I thought you might yeah, actually no. chime in and speak oh, to your friend. This is this is so exciting to be here with Dave. Real life podcasting. I'm a mum. Can you tell? I just found that in my. Po- I just found an old fucking mandarin in my pocket. Mandarin. That's disgusting. You know it's better than a mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? No. You know it's better than eating a mandarin. No. Eating a mandarin out. Welcome, welcome, Robbie. Uh, so this is this the sort is of content. Trump. I thought this is. P- I thought this is PG. Well, no, I suppose no, PG's okay. gets well. Okay, I, let's get down and get dirty. Yeah, yeah, you know we'll, each other. <coughs> let's start with this grinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Um, I reckon I met Swanee over the years, as you know, Ralphie. In the world of Melbourne, sports mm. people are uh, held in high regard, and uh, I met Swanee. <laughs> what? 
over the years, uh, a long a time ago, yeah. you, usually you meet a lot of guys at uh, functions and bits and pieces, but as you, as you do with Dane, you meet him in a nightclub. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm talking a long, long time ago, but uh, only became pretty thick mates, I suppose, when the, uh, the, the Albion, mm. we all jumped into the Albion say, you know, five or six years ago. So we've been – we're best mates these days, as, yeah. as in best mates. He rings me all the time. I ring him all the time. and um, Flat out. Yeah, no, we're really good mates. We're, we're joined at the hip. When, when was the last time you reckon you got a text from him? Oh, I tell you what, that's that's the great mystery, one of the great mysteries of the world. If you text Dane or you ring Dane, you you just got to give yourself six weeks to get a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple of business days. Yeah. Unless, unless, of course, you're offering him money. Unless there's an envelope. Well, it depends what's happening on the weekend. I'm not great on my phone after a big weekend. Yeah, I, no, yeah, I, I just that. I get that. Just want to avoid life People. and its problems. <laughs> yeah, until I come good, which is usually Thursday. <laughs> yeah, and I've been there. Done yeah, that. Been so I'm nearly good after the weekend now. So I'm had a couple of big sleeps. I'm, I'll probably be good tomorrow. You get big sleeps as a as a new parent. You get big sleeps, do you? Um, well, from well, I had to take him to daycare this morning, so I was up at my alarm was set for seven, and I had to wake I had to wake him up <laughs> oh at seven. Going, wow, crack poor of seven, thing. eh? Poor thing. I was probably asleep by nine last night. Wow, I had the sweats actually for some reason. Mm. You got COVID again. You <laughs> said, said it a few we're, times. We're sitting in a room about a meter wide. Yeah, um, a meter wide. I've defeated COVID after the fourth time I had it. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, but I'm okay. I'm getting there. I was, I was up your way low on the weekend. Robbie up in Sydney. Playing game? Playing in footy? Yeah, no, yeah. I played a game of footy. Who was that with? For the South West Blues. I think South West Uni Blues or South West Blues. They combined team now. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, rugby league obviously was a, uh, a, you know, the, the major sport up there in uh, Sydney town. But uh, over the years, especially since the Swans have been there and the GWS Giants, mm. mate, it's, uh, it's gone ahead in leaps and bounds, the AFL up there in Sydney town. So... You know, it was out west. They, um, yeah, they love their footy. <laughs> yeah, I asked a couple of young kids why they played. I went supposed to the 17s the night before. I was like, "Why do you play footy?" And they just kind of grew up with it, which is um, something I probably wasn't aware of. I thought yeah. everyone was league, and the few outliers played AFL. But um, yeah, I think it's slowly growing up there. It's probably on the back of the Swans and a little bit less GWS. But yep. um, no, it's good to see that. There's an avenue for the, for the AFL boys now if they want to play. Instead of just having to go find it, they kind of – it's just there. Did you so sing the song up there? I'd, well, we won. Yeah, we won. Um, Swan FC's – one of them won our nine and four maybe or something like that. Um, it was a Carlton song, but – you got to explain to Robbie what Swan FC is. Oh, it's, well, it's me. It's my um, – Swan the, football the club. Traveling. Yeah. So the how many games he plays. Is. Yeah. So he, the, he's the, the his own team. The, the name changes every week. That yeah, for that home side. Yeah, so um, but yeah, so we had a we had a good win. Um, How many touches? Uh, I had a lot more in the first half than the second half. Uh, well, I I think they set out about twenty five or something in the first half, but then jeez, um, how numbers? It was a nice it was a nice big deck oh, out he there. He can play football, Robbie. Did you not know? Mm. I've can. seen him go around. He goes well. Yeah, he goes well. And then um. So I, I cool down at halftime a fair bit because I'm getting old and it's not great for me, the old halftime. We need to need five minutes and then I'll, I'll be fine. But, you know, so I slow down. It's, it takes me a while to get back in. And then about six minutes in or seven minutes into the third quarter, because um, they used to have a countdown clock there. It's just 22 minutes, 
flat. So you yep. boot the ball 50 metres over the fence, bad luck. It just got to wait instead of time on and stuff, which is nice for a 38-year-old. <laughs> um, but then a, a guy from the opposition um, selfishly collapsed. So we have to wait for an ambulance. Um, so he ruined me day. <laughs> so, but, no, but I hope he's okay. But yeah, so he apparently he was just running off. Must have had a head knock, something like that. And like collapsed or something like that. So it took, obviously they had to obviously care to, him, care to him. So um, I think it was probably like a 25, half an hour minute, or 30 minute break. In, so I played, had a half time, about a seven minute third quarter. And then we had to wait like another half an hour, 35 minutes for the ambulance and stuff to take him. So by the time that was done, I was absolutely Season. done. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah, I, re- I reckon I had two touches after that and I was literally just trying to avoid the ball. So I wouldn't get hurt. I was... I'd call, I was cool. Um, my body had stopped, so I was starting to seize up, so I was done. But um, we had a win. Um, not that I contributed much to it in the last half, but a win's a win. 25 touches in the first, might have added. Yeah, and they're all great bunch of boys. Had a, had a solid Saturday night. Um, well, yeah, this is the thing. Dane do, doesn't just play for him mm. because we, we got sent beforehand. <laughs> he wasn't just speaking. He was the keynote speaker. So it's afterwards, you get wow. the itinerary through, and it's uh, play a game of football, and then you go into keynote speaking. Yep, that's basically what it is. What did PowerPoint you presentation? How, how selfless is that? How how uh, how long a PowerPoint presentation was it? Well, they can't get me off the fucking mic. <laughs> yeah, especially after I've had a couple. Now it was um, Tommy Berry spoke actually as well. Oh, he did, did get those hoops. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he, how'd he, he very, go? Yeah, he's very good. Uh, was it? Was it? Is he a? Because one of the funniest ever, I don't know if you've done with him, uh, Robbie, uh, Miracle Malcolm Johnson, I think is one of the no. funniest ever. But he's just only shtick. He's a former jockey. Okay. But is it, is he got a bit of shtick or is it a bit sort of, you know, uh, more your Scott Pendlebury sort of? No, a bit type. of both. He, he certainly, <laughs> he dropped, yeah, um, he let loose at the end. Good. The last couple of minutes. Nice. The last yeah. probably five minutes he he sort of let loose and had the had the crowd laughing. Um, the first part was obviously just about the racing and stuff like that. Yeah. And then he, yeah, then he... <laughs> And he, t- he went at a right angle very, very sharply. So um, <laughs> so it was a nice intro for me to follow up. Yeah. But uh, he was very good. And then so he set the bar low for you to Yeah, lower. exactly. Perfect. Yeah, so you exactly. were the main right. event then, if someone's uh, your warm-up. That would be correct, Samantha. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's quite important. Main meal. So this, did you see that look at the state he gave Samantha? It, it's similar to when Samantha says, have you ever played at Kazanely Stadium up, up in uh, Cairns? Yeah. Or have you played at Ballarat? How dare I? <laughs> I don't go that far. Exactly. The pies don't. It's quite good. Absolute superstar, so he tells me. So how'd you end up in Melbourne? Mate, I obviously started my rugby league career, which is my hometown, Cronulla, in Cronulla. Yeah, absolutely. So they'd have similar winters to ours, yeah? Similar what? Winter. Yeah, not bad. Actually, Engineering can get pretty cold. Did you watch the Shire, the TV show? Uh, I heard a lot about it, but no, I did not. No, watch it so I got asked to be. Uh, Probably well. didn't feature. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, mate, I grew up in Engadine uh, back in the day. I'm talking a long time ago. I'm 50 years of age, this day and age. But um, you just used to trial for the local team, and I was a bit of a spud when I was growing up. <laughs> not so much now. No, I'm absolute superstar now. <laughs> you know that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the old sort of come along, and there's 150 blokes trialing for one one team, and I sort of made it through, made it through. And then, uh, yes, I had seven years with the Sharks, four, four years in the top grade, or, and uh, and then went to Perth. They had a team in Perth for a couple of years. A charity like Dane does. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Why'd you go to Perth? For the cash? 
Uh, no, because I got kicked out of my club. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was a bit of a, I wasn't even a bad boy, but I was just wasn't. Uh, I was just lingering. Mm. Uh, I was on the cusp of turning, and they were like, "Oh, pretty much." And I, I, and I'll, the the story goes that uh, the guy that sacked me at Cronulla, I went over to Perth, and uh, two years later, he was the uh, coach of the Australian side, which I made. Right, and uh, he always claims that without his Getting rid of me, I wouldn't have made it. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. To it. So um, yeah, so ironically, I uh, went to Perth, started playing much better football, and uh, sure enough, I got there. They they existed for three years. I got there for the last two years of that. They got cold as that time around the uh, Super was League. That? Super why they get? Why they get oh, cold, mate? I, I I truly believe, and this is my theory on it, that had they been successful from day one. Similar to the Melbourne Storm, I reckon they'd still be there because there was a there was a big, you know, they had a big. Um, they get many people to the games and stuff. Originally, yes, but then <coughs> then when they you know they were obviously losing most most weeks, crowds dropped off, sponsorship dropped off, and uh, we you know here in Australia we all love a winner. So um, it yeah it struggled for the sort of definitely the last year, mate. On on paper we had a very, very good side, but we had a couple of. Absolute lunatics over there. <laughs> Mark Guy, Julian O'Neill, uh, Scott Wilson, those guys, those names most probably won't uh, you know, be in the back of your mind, but uh, in rugby league circles, you you mention any one of those three names and people just go, they, they cringe. <laughs> they were going on midweek benders. Uh, it, was, it was non-stop. It's one of his mates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Could so you get away with it in Perth more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, but I went over there as a, as a reasonably young guy, and I, I, you know, came from Cronulla, which wasn't a over over professional club, overly professional club, and uh, you know, I was like, wow, I was blown away that these guys are going on midweek benders. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> How and, do I get involved? Uh, yeah, so it was, it was, yeah, it was a. I mean, they had a, a coach like Craig Bellamy over there and a, yeah. a better hierarchy. I reckon. Uh, you know, it would have done all right, and I reckon I'd Isn't still Isn't that be interesting there. that they only gave it three years because the Dockers, who are flying at the moment, obviously still haven't – what's the only ship to not pull? The trophy cabinet's empty, yeah. 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 Um, they still haven't done – you know, yeah. made it to the final dance, and they've been going 20-odd years. Yeah, but that's yeah. AFL, I guess. Isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting that they only gave this rugby league team three years. That whole Super League thing, when it happened, like, and I don't want to bore you with it, but they had the concept, uh, Ripper Murdoch and – they had the concept of basically having ten teams, only ten teams in the competition, based all around Australia and New Zealand. So the the concept is really, really good, and they tried to make it this national rugby league thing. Um, you know, they call it the national rugby league, but really, it's down the it's down the east coast of Australia. You know what I mean, so yeah. Uh, so the concept was great, but then you know, obviously the two co- the two codes and wasn't the two codes, it was two two leagues, as in the Super League and the NRL, they clashed. And the, anyway, it 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 was only two competitions for one year and then it came back in 1998. So 1997 uh, was the only year that they... they was there opportunity to make very good money in that period if you're a player? Let's yeah, I think... Hypothetically. Uh, hypothetically, I think, uh, you know, just... Um, and I was just a guy sort of on the, you know, going okay. Yeah. But my, I think my wage went from sort of 60000 up to one hundred and eighty. That's nice. Straight, straight off the bat. That's a young but, but, that's but, pretty good back then. Yeah. But there were guys... They were on a hundred straight up to six fifty, seven hundred. Wow, lovely! So it back brought in the all 90s. this brought all this money back into the game, which which gave the guys 
myself included, the opportunity to sort of give up my day job because I'm a plumber by trade. Yep. And uh, at Cronulla, yeah, I was, I was doing the plumbing during the day, coming home at night, training, and uh, then I went to Perth and that's when you could afford to give up your day job and um, be like Swanee and don't work. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. The, the, actually, the um, USFL, did you follow American sports? Not really. But they were a bit similar to Super League. There's been a couple of, there's a 30 for 30 called Small Potatoes and a book called Who Killed the USFL. And amazing some of the stories. And they did party pretty hard, those type yeah. of. Do you reckon there will ever be a Super League sort of when people are old enough to say, oh, fuck, I'll tell the real stories? Yeah, I reckon there will be <laughs> one day. But um, as I said, the guys went, and there was that much money being thrown around. Yeah. Originally, they just thought everyone would be on board with the this Super League concept. Uh, but sure enough, uh, Kerry Packer, who'd been backing the game for a long, long time, was like a bit of a traditionalist, and he said, no way in the world. He's, it, was, it was a bit of a who's got the biggest dick type thing yeah. between Rupert Murdoch and Kerry Packer. And uh, it was just a bidding war for all the superstar players of the game. And uh, mate, it basically ended up being you know, half the superstars were playing NRL, half, half well, sorry, ARL back in the day, and half was playing Super League, so... It was just uh, those guys were just you know rubbing their hands together. The Freddie Fitlers, the Joey Johns, uh, Alfie Langers, Laurie Daly's, all those guys were just you know they were just they went as I said went from a hundred grand up to sort of seven hundred grand overnight. So how was the response coming back into the NRL? Uh, well, yeah, it was a lot of uh, obviously the you know a lot of the ARL teams, the North Sydney Bears got punted, uh, West West Magpies got punted. So there's a lot of so-called supporters and members out there that were filthy with the whole concept. Um, but if you ask any rugby league player, uh, you know, we, we're, we're all very, very thankful for what had happened because um, obviously we gave up our day, our day job and uh, went on to bigger and better things. Why, why does the storm work so well so quickly? Yeah, so, so, so yeah. I was, yeah, going back to it, um, Perth got knocked off so so when it came back to one competition there was basically 10 teams in com- in each competition so there's 20 teams and you know we know that there's most probably that that's way too many so they called a couple of teams and um so they basically uh melbourne storm um yeah john rebo was in, involved with that he was the uh the original godfather he was basically given this franchise down here and yeah, why was it so successful? Uh, they had a core group of guys from the Western Reds, which had been folded up. A core bunch of boys from the Hunter Mariners, which was the Super League team in Newcastle, which was crazy. Yep. Up against the uh, the Johns brothers and all the Newcastle, because they are, when you talk about heart, the heartbeat of rugby league, it's Newcastle. It's unbelievable. When they, those boys are firing, it's it's like the Collingwood, you mean? It's, it's, it's so big. Um, so they... Ironically, Super League put a team in Newcastle, so they were hated. Right. Absolutely <laughs> hated. Anyway, they folded up. So half of their, well, most of their good players came down here. The Reds came down here, and uh, a few in between. Glenn Lazarus was looking for a new opportunity. Uh, done his time with the Brisbane Broncos. So, so we had a decent side on paper. We had a fantastic coach at the time in Chris Anderson. Yeah, was he a Dane Swan type sort of? Absolute Dane Swan coach. <laughs> All for the players. Um, loved a beer, loved a good time. And his philosophy was, you know, we've heard it before, you drink hard, you train hard, you play hard. And that was the cycle for a whole two or three years. <laughs> it, was, it, it was it was amazing. And you could get away with a bit more down here. Absolutely. Boys, uh, <laughs> but we're getting away with everything. It was crazy. <laughs> but um, within the first, I reckon the first 
six weeks of being here in pre-season. So why did you come down here instead of, this, was the Storm the only offer you had? Or did, did Dane, you? I'm a big name, please. <laughs> no, no, I, I um, He was swatting them off like flies. Yeah. Funnily enough, as I said, I was playing like a bit of a busted yeah. at Cronulla. Um, you so can say it on so, this podcast. So, yeah. so the coach said, mate, there's no room for you here anymore. Yeah. Not that I was playing up or anything like that. No, he just said, mate, I just, you know, I've got a squad that I need to keep and you're not part of the top 25. I said, no worries. So I gave it a perf and pulled my finger out, trained a lot harder, played a lot better. And um, so I was, yeah, I was I was uh, playing real decent football by the end of that era. Came to Melbourne, started playing better football. I don't even know what the question was. What was the question? <laughs> Why did you come to Melbourne? Oh, that's right. In, instead of... Uh, yeah, so, so I was playing decent football. I, I played for Australia my last year in Perth. So, yeah, I had I most probably had half a dozen sort of uh, call-outs to see if I wanted to go back up north to, to Sydney, um, Canberra. I had one in for play for Newcastle Knights. So I had, I had definitely some opportunities to go elsewhere, but um, I just thought... I came down here on a weekend and they showed me around town and they got me on a good weekend because the weather was about 23 degrees <laughs> and I'm looking around the Crown Casino, I'm going, this is a fantastic That's spot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I just I – knew, I knew that John Rebo had had a uh, pretty successful career as an administrator. Chris Johns, he's understudy, um, a former player of the Brisbane Broncos. He was the champion. So they sold us the dream. They took us to um, PJ O. Bridey, PJ O'Brien's over yes. there at South, right. is it South Bank? Yeah. yeah uh, PJ O'Brien's an Irish pub and they got us full of drink and I reckon I signed on the spot. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah. Um, it, and like I said, I've you know, you talk about sliding doors, it's most probably the best decision I made. I've made, uh, you know, made Melbourne my home now. I've been here for 25 odd years. I've got three beautiful kids all born and bred down here. Best mates with Dane, as I said earlier. <laughs> and, uh, Excuse me, what about I'm still yes, in the room? Yes, yeah, Sammy, Sammy, we go, we go way back. Um, you're an absolute Jeez. superstar myself. First time I met Ralphie, by the way. Heard a lot about him. But um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, here I am, and uh, life can't get better. Uh, now we, we like comparing codes and and and, uh, and perspective. Yes, I've, I've mentioned this before in this pod, but I was at the footy show uh, back in the day, and 1999 when you guys made it, two. F- uh, Storm boys came in for the grand final show yes. to promote, you know, that you're going to play it. Obviously, Channel 9 had it on the Sunday. And we just said, you know, do you want a drink as in a glass of water or softy or something? And they go, yeah, we'll have a beer each. Now, <laughs> if an AFL player had a set at the same time, three days before a grand final, it would have been like, would you like to join the Taliban or something? <laughs> <laughs> but it was just perfectly normal. They, they didn't get on the piss. They just had a beer with their, with their dinner. And I thought, mm. maybe they've got better perspective than, than clubs trying to control players' lives. Yeah, I, I think, and Dame will agree. I mean, just because you have a beer doesn't mean you can't play play sport on the weekend. So, so from day one, Chris Anderson was, as I said, his mentality was drink hard, train hard, play hard. So we would always have beers in the sheds post-game. Now, back in the day, that's back in 1998, so there was no such thing as recovery. <laughs> no such thing as ice baths and stretching and bits and pieces. It was straight in the schooners or stubbies, you mean. So, But this day and age, everyone's really cautious of, you know what I mean? So, so, but still, if it's a seven-day turnaround, the Melbourne Storm still have beers in the sheds. Yep. And Craig will allow the boys to go out and have a beer. Yep. And he'll always treat the boys. He's, he says this from day one and he gives it to the boys uh, every year on the induction day. He said, boys, I'll continue to treat you like an adult as long as you act like an adult. So, do It's worked not, okay for him? 
Sorry? It's worked okay. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. He said, but um, can I swear on this yeah. show? Yeah, oh. Hold on, wait for it. He said, but don't fuck it for everyone. Yeah. One person's going to fuck it um, and don't let it be you. Because yes. and, and still to this day, the boys, you know, they go out and let their hair down, no dramas. Obviously, they're getting, you know, the Cameron Smiths and the Billy Slaters of the world. They're very well known down here throughout Melbourne. Munster, geez, he's a uh, loose bit of gear, be right up your alley, Dane. <laughs> yeah. No doubt you know him. But, yeah, um, yeah so, so it's always had a mentality of, listen, guys, continue being who we are. Um, yep. Chris Anderson had that attitude early days. Craig Bellamy still got it. But if it's a six-day turnaround, a five-day turnaround, he'll say, hey, guys. And he never says, mate, I do not want you. He said, I prefer you not to. Yes. And so if you still want to have a beer, yeah. no dramas. Said boys, I prefer you not to. It's a five day turnaround this week. Let's just uh, pull our heads in. Where, where, when you hear that, what goes through your mind? <laughs> I played Three the wrong sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, what makes Bellamy obviously is, is he the greatest coach of all time? And what makes him so good? I know from I hear that all the new blokes have to actually go out and do two weeks work of real work yep. before when they get yep. brought into the footy club to see what how the other half live, I guess. And and what makes um, yeah Bellamy. Is he the goat? Yeah, coach? I, I think so. I mean, I, I had uh, three different clubs and obviously a bit of rep stuff along the way. So I had the likes of Wayne Bennett, Tim Sheens, the great Tommy Radonikus, Arthur Beetson, um, Peter Mahone, Dean Lance. The list goes on in regards to first grade coaches. And um, by far and away, I think Harry Bellamy is the best coach I've ever had. Uh, and I, you know, I've said this a number of times, he could get North Melbourne. Yeah. Go there tomorrow and get North Melbourne to win the next four or five games just by getting the players to believe in themselves. Now you know how bad North Melbourne are. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking horrible. I'm a shin boner. <laughs> I love the I love the uh the Kangas, but uh yeah, they're struggling at the moment. But I just mate, he just has this knack of getting the best out of every individual, whether it be he just believes in you, he creates a relationship with each and every individual within the club. Um and he's just he's just a ripping guy. I mean he's his, his, his background is he's from a place called Portland, New South Wales. Uh, I know there's a Portland down here in Victoria, but Portland, New South Wales, it's bumfuck nowhere. Um, I think there's about 600 people in the place. He grew up being a sparky. Um, his vocabulary is very, very short. A lot of fucks in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's uh, an absolute champion guy. So he's, a, he's a, just a simple guy. And I was, I, I've, you know, I've done it. I've heard him talk a million times, but uh, I was at a corporate lunch with him one day and I was sitting there with one of the big wigs of the Melbourne Storm. We're sitting up the back and there was all these corporates, you know, sort of you know, just listening to every word he said and um, this, this board member taps me on the shoulder and he goes, mate, he's got to be the smartest, dumbest prick I've ever heard <laughs> talk because he comes yes. across very, very simple, but everything he says hits the mark and um, he's just a wonderful guy, uh, wonderful... You know, his beliefs, his values that he's installed in the Melbourne Storm, which I still live by this day, and Dane almost probably laugh at this, but but it's, you know, it's it's work ethic, it's respect, it's humility and selfless acts. Those four values, whether you're a plumbing organisation, a bank, a football club, or the Albion nightclub mm. as shareholders, <laughs> uh, if you live by those rules, you know, day in, day out. There's no humility at the Albion nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> say, uh, zero. Definitely at 4am, bang, <laughs> when I'm on the default. Yeah, Hello. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, no, that, so so he's just, he lives and breathes by that. I mean, his work ethic, he's 63 years of age, I think, and, you know, he 
trains religiously six days a week. Doesn't matter where it is, whether he's away on camp or, but trains every and and on his seventh day, it sounds like I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Here, <laughs> but on his seventh day, he lives down there at Port Melbourne and he uh, he does his ten k walk and that's his day off. You know, and so he's 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 born and bred with his fitness, uh, his work ethic, and he's so good. And I, you know, we talked about him building relationships with the players, but. His attention to detail is, is second to none. So we might be playing the Cronulla Sharks this weekend and most coaches would just look at last weekend's game and see what they're up against and see what happened and and give the, his you know his players uh, some information of who we're playing against. But, mate, he'll go back three weeks before that. So he's putting in like 60 to 70 hours of video a week yep. preparing his players for one 80-minute game. <clears throat> Now, pl- other coaches, I asked, and they go, no, absolutely not. We've had si- assistant coaches with the Melbourne Storm currently yep. and previously, and they say, they go to other clubs and they say, oh, my God, it's like a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but under Bellamy, uh, assistant coaches are expected to uh, do the same hours that Craig's doing, which is, yeah, 60 or 70 hours a week. It's crazy. How long has he got left, do you think, in Melbourne? And do you think he'd ever would try and take a challenge up of coaching in North Melbourne or trying to go in LA just to prove that what he he's – his philosophy is works on any code. Yeah, it's interesting, Swanee, because I, I reckon he's he's been poached yeah. a couple of times, and and, and uh, I'll give give a big rap to his offsider and uh, his right hand man in Frank Panisi. Frank Panisi is his uh, football manager, and uh, a lot at a lot of clubs, whether it be AFL or NRL, I think the coaches have to, you know, they do a lot of commercial work as well. They've got to, you know, they do a lot of media, they do a lot of bits and pieces. Whereas at Melbourne Storm. Uh, Craig can just concentrate on his coaches because Frank takes a lot of bullets for him, and uh, they are they are the odd couple. But um, Frank does an amazing job as football manager or head of football down there at Melbourne Storm, and he controls everything but the coaching. And Craig just concentrated on the coaching. Every now and then they'll get him out to do a, a commercial spot for one of their major sponsors and bits and pieces. But yeah, Frank Panisi definitely needs a little uh, oh, a big rap for the. Uh, Ongoing success of the Melbourne Storm. Craig will go home eventually, won't he? Yeah, so so Craig's well daughter's up there. Yeah, so when you say home, he's, as I said, he's been born and bred in Portland, New South Wales. But he's he's been when he was at the Brisbane Broncos under Wayne Bennett as, as an assistant coach. He's uh, been holidaying up around that Coolangatta area for a long, long time, and in the process, he's bought about a hundred apartments up there. He's <laughs> <laughs> been on about. <laughs> A million bucks a year for the last twenty. Um, anyway, so he's got a heap of property up there, and uh, yeah, he's 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 put his daughter up in one of them, and she's now got a uh, a daughter. So um, I think he's now got four grandkids. Grandkids, but uh, yeah, spends a whole heap of time up there. Every minute he gets an opportunity, he's up there in the sun doing his training up there, and he's you know, for, I reckon for the last fifteen years he says, "Oh, Kurzy, what are we doing in fucking Melbourne? Look at this." <laughs> Mm. What do you say? I said, I'm not too sure. (laughs) I have no idea. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, I don't know if you know, so there's something on the news about players and how they should go during a break. Yes, AFL yes, players. yep, saw that. Um, how, how does NRL uh, handle the, uh, the break of state of origin, which isn't quite a break, but it is something where you've got to adjust? Yeah, no, the boys, obviously, this weekend, they've got State of Origin, plus there's a lot of international games going on, Tonga, New Zealand, Samoa. So the boys that are left over, yeah, they had uh, they pretty much had the last eight or nine days off, and I haven't heard too much about it, so they haven't got up to too much trouble. But <laughs> but they, in your day? In my day, yeah, you play up like a second-hand lawnmower. <laughs> I, me- I remember uh, uh, a friend, one of the boys from uh, the Melbourne Storm, He uh, they went up there to uh, Byron Bay, as a lot of guys do, and um, <laughs> basically he's going from one nightclub to another nightclub and gone, gone at the back of a tree, actually. It was Brett Finch, believe it or not. I know his <laughs> name's not, uh, yeah. Uh, but he goes behind a tree and, and, and uh, does number one. And sure enough, cops come from everywhere, three cars pull up, mm. and it's made the headlines. And I'm like, mate, if that's any other guy, and Swanee knows this better than anyone, if that's any other guy other than, you know, if, if that happened in Melbourne, it wouldn't, you know, no, no, no drama. But it happens in Byron Bay, where it's you know, obviously New South Wales and rugby league's a big thing. And it made headlines, you know, front front page. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, what? And we we all talk about it, but imagine if phones were around in my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bang, look out. So the the, the wow. what's weird? <laughs> what's weird to our sport? Because State of Origin actually started in, in AFL. Yes, back then yes. AFL, and, and it worked for a bit. And then clubs sort of took control, and players said, "Well, actually, my my heart's with the club." I think Dermot was probably the first to change all that, and eventually it dissipated. But it's got stronger and stronger in NRL. Yep. Why has it worked? And also, how does it, how does those team bonding camps work in the middle of a season? Yeah, yeah. Well, my my mentality, well, my thought process would be that. Because there's only really two states that really dominate rugby league. I, I know we're here yeah. in Melbourne, and you know it's up and running. But New South Wales and uh, Queensland—it's just there's a lot of rivalry when there's only two teams. Yep. You know I mean like I get that AFL's very strong down in Victoria, but so in South Australia and WA, and it's even obviously very prominent up there in New South Wales and also Queensland. So there's too many teams for a great rivalry to exist. And come come uh, Origin time, if you're anywhere around that border, or you're in Queensland for an Origin, being a New South Wales boy, mate, there's there's proper hatred, right? Proper proper hatred. It'd be like me and you taking on Man City over there, you know, where there's rights. But um, there's a lot of lot of rivalry between the two 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 states, um, and I, that's what I feel. I, I feel like there's there can't be rivalry when there's so many teams. You guys have so many dominant states, exactly, um, and. Rugby league, and I get that on a national scale, AFL is the number one sport here in Australia. But it's basically the uh, the, the 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 jewel in the crown for rugby league. Yeah, it's our showpiece. Yeah, and it's the best of the best. And so all clubs get behind. And on a, you were saying before, Ralphie, not all clubs got behind the AFL concept. Yes. The players are going to get injured. They might miss the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we as a whole, individual clubs, get that that's our baby. Yeah. And we support it, and because of that, we still have existence on a you know on a national scale up against the AFL. So, so we're, we're the, uh, sorry, the, the, but the team bonding side—it's yes. just weird that you're punching the crap out of each other and then you you go and play with with each other. Yeah, and anyone that's played sport and just want to tell you, mate, white line fever—it doesn't matter who's in your, that opposite jumper. 
you, know, you don't look at faces, you look at the colour of the jumper. So, so yeah, and I, you know, I've been there, done that. I've, you know, I've got some of my greatest mates are uh, guys that I played with in rep stuff. Queensland, the Gordon Talises of the world, Shane Webkeys, Joey Johns. So when you're playing against them guys in club football, it's you don't see faces. It's just what it is. But um, the bonding sessions, yeah, one minute you're playing against each other, next minute you sort of, yeah, how do you respect one another? How do you play for one another if you don't know them that well? So early days, back in the day, it was, yeah, get on the piss for three days, four days straight, and uh, there's no better way to uh, get to know someone than... Is yours uh, Tommy Redonicus? Is that your first I'm with Tommy Redonicus. I've got some great stories about big Tommy Redonicus. <laughs> hilarious. But... Uh, had, hold had back. Gus Gould <laughs> and uh, also Wayne Pierce. So it was, um, yeah, back in the day, it was it was seriously ten day camp, and the first four days was like a mad Monday. Gus Gould come and spoke to us on on the eve of a final series. Which one? Gus Gould. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. How was he? Weird. Yeah, weird and serious, and looks yeah. like being stung by a few bees. Yeah, like we <laughs> were at the G, and we walked in, and you know, we all had all seats there ready for his speech. His speech was great, but um, we sat down, we all. Like at footballers are creatures of habit. You'll sort of just go and sit, like and whatever you know. Some might sit at the back straight away. Some might sit in the middle. Try not to hide. Blah blah blah. And we all sit. And he got up and he, he got up and goes, "That's it, everyone, get up, walk back out of here." He goes, "When I when I'm I fucking talking to my club or whatever it is, he goes, the first bloke in sits fucking row one A and row B, and you fill it up like that. So so we all have to get out." And we ought to go sit in the sit in the row like like one after another. And I was, we were like, "What the fuck is going on here?" So we have to walk out like idiots, and I walk straight back in and sit like first bloke in line. I had to sit in the first seat, and we all have to fill up, you know, in in that kind of order. And then, you know, he said, "Then he made us sing the club song on like a Thursday." It was so awkward. <laughs> Did you go on to win the game? Was it? No, no, I don't think so. Was it Mick or Bucks bringing in? Bucks, I think. Bucks um, so we have to go in. We had, we had, then we had to sing. The club song, like in the MCG, like on Thursday afternoon oh or something. Yeah, it wasn't great. Weird. It wasn't great. But he spoke obviously very well, but those two things put us a bit off him. But Wayne Pierce was the teetotaler, wasn't he? He was. So so the story, I don't know whether you guys are aware of this. So so prior to that, we had Tommy Rodonicus and Gus Gould, which were, they were all part of the bonding. And it was, as I said, 10 days camp and uh, first five days was a mad Monday, five days in a row. <laughs> so you can imagine how we were on day six having to train. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so so Wayne Pierce comes on the scene, and this is this is my claim to fame. I played you know three hundred odd games, but this is the only reason why people remember me. Uh, Wayne Pierce comes on the scene, as you said, non drinker. He comes in this into our first non drinker. Has he never had a drink, or just never had a drink? Had a couple. Of never had a drink. Not as a 17, 18, 18 year old. And back in the day, Wayne Pierce was the pin up boy of rugby league. Not only a good looking rooster, but it was back then when. Every rugby league player had man, you know, dad bods. Yeah, he was fit as a fiddle. Had yeah. the eight pack, had the big arms, chest, yeah. legs, and he used to train the house down every day. He was just high on life, and he is high on life. I wouldn't say his son's a teetotaler, would nah, you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. He's made up. He's made up for the old man <laughs> exactly. for sure. Yeah. But anyway, it's a long story short. We would, as I said, five days worth of drinking around the bar. Well, he comes in and says, "Hey guys." Um, as most of you guys know, I'm non-drinker, so what we're going to do this year, instead of that, you know, the usual bonding session, we're going to do activities. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, fuck, what, what's he talking about? So sure enough, um, he goes, we're going to do activities, there's going to be no drinking in this camp, and we're just like, <laughs> stunned. First day, anyway, so we go along to the training session. 
we have these first training sessions, get to know each other sort of thing. And then anyway, all the boys go over the one corner of the footy field for a stretch down. And uh, Freddie Fittler was the, uh, the captain at the time. We're like, fuck, Freddie, this is absolute <laughs> bullshit. He's not going to give us any, any days on the drink. I said, that's what Origin's all about. Mm. The game gets in the way of a good session, <laughs> you know. And uh, so we're Freddie, go, go and see what you can do, you know what I mean? So Freddie goes over and talks to the player, uh, talks to the coaching staff and we're all in the corner and we're all sort of having a bit of a look, <laughs> what's going on. Five minutes later, Freddie comes back over and says, hey, uh, boys, I've got some bad news and good news. And we're like, what's the bad news? He said, oh, it's definitely not a five-day bender. He said, but, uh, and what's the good news? He said, he's going to give us one night. <laughs> so we made up for it and uh, we go in the, uh, back in the day when the, you know, you go in the King's Cross and have uh, an all-nighter in there. And remember the bourbon and beef steak? No. Forever a associated with Ricky Ponting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His one controversy was there. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we ended up having a monster night, get home at daylight, and uh, his activity for the next day, which was all under wraps, no one knew it, knew about it, um, was basically jump on a bus, go up to the Blue Mounds, which is basically a two-hour drive. And we are, we are all still blind. <laughs> we get up there and jump on horses. So he's taking this horse riding. So uh, I'm into <laughs> horse racing. You, you guys don't, dis- I don't associate with you with jockeys. <laughs> well, and big Clydesdales or something yeah. to carry these boys well, around. I will, I will add to this. My horse was that big. <laughs> it was a monster. But, you know, the, obviously when you're playing Origin, half the guys are from the country, half the guys are city slickers, but... Sure enough, we, they put us on these horses, and my horse was a big horse. I say that, but it, it was. It felt really big. So we we all come together, and he goes, guys, okay, anyone that's been on a horse before, we're going to go this way, and we'll go for a bit of a trot, and the guys that haven't just come, we'll just walk slowly up, and we'll meet up the top. So sure enough, there's half the boys, city slickers, we go to the left, and the, the country boys that think they're bloody... Malcolm Johnson, they go right, and uh, we meet up at this sort of area, and uh, and there's a couple of characters. Terry Hill, I'm not too sure whether you remember Terry Hill. Terry a lisp, didn't he? Yeah, he had a lisp, <laughs> and uh, but proper character. And uh, we got up to this one area, and the blokes sort of trying to explain what horses can do and how dangerous they are, and bits and pieces. And someone asks, "Oh, which way are we going now?" and and the bloke points up to this other paddock and Terry Hill just kicks his in the guts and they all, I'm talking 20-odd horses, just start running after one another. And I don't know what, I've never been on a horse since. It was my first and only time. But uh, those trail horse, right, the trail ride horses, they just follow one another. They know where they're going. So sure enough, I've got no idea. I'm trying to steer this thing like a motorbike. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly falling off. But I, I, I've come together and, and we get to this paddock and... And sure enough, the guy running the show comes up and starts blowing up a tree. <laughs> Who the fuck started that row? And we've all just pointed Terry and Terry with his list going, that's not, I don't, I don't, what's it mean? What's, what's it mean? I knew nothing about it. And um, sure enough, so he gives us an absolute roasting. And uh, we're all sort of sitting there having a bit of a chuckle because it was quite amusing watching blokes try and ride these horses. Whilst drunk. Whilst drunk. <laughs> well, mate, we would have blown this. They had a breathalyzer. We would have blown it out of the water, but... Sure enough, before, and then sure enough, this guy's giving us a rev up, and Terry goes, "Oh, which way are we going now?" And the bloke points to the next paddock, and fucking Terry's in it again, bang! <laughs> and uh, the next thing I know, I uh, I basically was waking up on the X-ray table at the uh, local <laughs> hospital. <laughs> yeah, I come off. What'd you do? Three guys come off, and I just remember coming down this. 
I'd say it was like the man from Snowy River stuff. Like that steep <laughs> was most probably, <laughs> most probably <laughs> flat. <speed> <laughs> but um, I just remember coming down and, and there was a, the horse in front of me had stopped because someone's stirrups had come off and it sounded like I know what I'm talking about. And basically every car, every car, every horse was going around like a you were overtaking a car out to the right and back into the left. And um, you know, I just remember, I just remember seeing it in front of me, and that's all I remember. And then Laurie Daly, the great Laurie Daly, was behind me, and he reckons I sort of, as you would, I got sort of went out to the left, and then got slingshot out to the right. And I reckon <laughs> I was going through the air with my hands down behind, beside, and mate, like a Superman, and landed. And anyway, I sort of scratched up all my, t- you know, didn't break any bones, but I was sort of all my beside my face was scratched up, blood everywhere. Um, shoulder hanging down around me, mount, around me chest. I broke my collarbone and, and done my shoulder. But I was on the ground and I was having a convulsion. I got severely knocked out with the, with a helmet on, and the actual helmet had a big split in it. So I was very, very lucky. But uh, on the ground convulsing and with basically blood pissing out everywhere. And Laurie Daly still tells the story that he thought I'd actually uh, died. You know, I was, I was I was in the middle of death. Uh, but sure enough, there's nothing wrong with me apart from a broken <laughs> collarbone. Uh, go for the x-rays and basically I'm talking uh, my last origin was that was 1999 yeah um and yeah what are we up to now 2022 so 25 years later or 23 years later I'm still getting paid like Dane gets paid because he's Dane Swan I've got to tell the story about me falling off a fucking <laughs> horse but every origin um yeah without a doubt I'm always doing bits and pieces and everyone wants to know about the horse ride. and you know what the the theme of that that story is that um, it's safer to go out drinking with the boys for five nights than do activities. Mm, very That's, good point. That is exactly my moral of the story, <laughs> that we should have been on the piss five days straight and uh, I would have been playing those three origins. Did uh, did Wayne do the horse riding the next year? No, the, uh, he continued to do um, activities such as the bridge climb and yachting and bits and pieces, but... Funnily enough, over the over the journey, I've I've done a few sporties with with Wayne Pierce there, and he tells a completely different story. <laughs> it's like he's trying to save his own ass. <laughs> it was your fault, Wayne. Take responsibility. Own up to it. Uh, I remember now. Now, would, where do you consider yourself as a great in, in rugby league? Oh. You depends on if he's on air nah. or off air. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Dane's got no shame whatsoever <laughs> in saying that he was disappointed he wasn't in the Hall of Fame last week, for instance. No, it depends who I'm trying to impress, Ralphie. Right, yeah. If it's right. someone I'm trying to impress, I say top three. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, mate, I, as I said earlier, I was a bit of a battler when I was a kid and you know, I played 283 games of first grade footy plus a, you know, Origins and Australia, so over 300, but... Mate, I, I would I would have been happy with three first grade games. I mean, it's uh, and Swanee will tell you when you play one, you you set a new goal for ten, then twenty, and all of a sudden your your career's over and you play three hundred odd. So I, I was always a bit of a battler. I was never ever a superstar of our game. And the one thing I say to anyone that wants to listen and they go, "Oh, come on, Coons, you must have had something going for you." But I was the one thing I had going for me, and I've you know. They've been in a fight in my life, but I was courageous. Yep. I was willing to sort of throw my body into a bit much bigger opposition. Uh, so I was, yeah, I had a big, uh, without sort of saying, Swanee's here smiling, but um, yeah, without trying to, trying to give myself a plug, but I, I, I had a big heart. I was, yep. I was courageous, and that's what I felt like got me through those 300 odd games. I mean, well, we're, sorry, so on, I definitely wasn't a great. Yeah. So, I mean, I may have opened up the wrong can here, but how did your first game for Australia go along those lines? Am I right here? 
Uh, yeah. No, I'm not too sure where you're going. What happened in the first couple of minutes of your first game for Australia? Oh, that wasn't my first game. Sammy, come on. That was uh, game 23 for Australia. (laughs) Um, Well, there's my other claim to fame. uh, It's the quickest... the only Australian player to get knocked out in the first ever tackle of a test match. This big beast of a bloke uh, by the name of Adrian Morley uh, knocked me out within the first tackle. So kick off, I took up the ball and knocked out, and uh, that's my other claim to fame. So, <laughs> so thanks, where else go with thanks for bringing that. See, because you're courageous. Yes, exactly. Head over the ball. I didn't go off actually. There you go. But <laughs> where I was going with that was like Billy Brownless, who was a fantastic player in his day. Yes. Anyone listed this who, unlike Dane. Would be delighted to have had his career, but he, yes. he probably won't be in the Hall of Fame, right? So yes, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But post career, Geelong said, "We know what we can do with this guy. Everyone will ever be with Billy." Yes, is that what the Storm's done with you? Pretty much, man. Um, yeah, There's a lounge no, I, was, uh, I won't say I'm in Billy Brownless's league, but <laughs> I was blessed in the sense that Melbourne Storm are going out to all the kids of uh, trying to get kids to come down from New South Wales and Queensland, where most of our guys are from. And they're going out to the mums and dads and saying, mate, Melbourne's a great place, a great culture, great family clubs, a great place to live. Well, sure enough, after eight years, which was when I retired from the Melbourne Storm, there wasn't one player that stayed in Melbourne. Yep. So there's no proof, proof in the pudding. So the first question mums and dads would say, oh, how many guys have actually stayed? And they had to sort of back back and say, well, actually no one. So they said, listen, Kernsey... What are you doing next year? Would you love love you know, we would love you to stay around? And I was going back to I got a place up there in Sydney on the beach. I love my surfing. Um, it's yeah, it'd fall down in a subtly, but it's it's on the beach. And I said I'm going back there to be a plumber, be a surfer, and uh, back up with family and friends. They said, Oh mate, we'd love you to stay around. And they said, Oh, in what? And I said, In what capacity? And they said, Well, do you want to be a coach? I'm like, Oh. I reckon I got the uh, mentality or the, you know, the the want to be a coach. And he said, well, do you want to get in the commercial space? I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm a plumber. Oh, I don't know how to turn a computer on. So they just said, well, listen, just just sign this bit of paper. We'll, we'll run, run it for three years and just you know try a hand at different things and see what you want to do. So after three years, I did not much. I was a bit of a Dane Swan. And the uh, then CEO, the great Brian Waldron, came to me and said, Kearns, you've had three years, mate. What do you enjoy? Do you enjoy the coaching? Do you enjoy the commercial space? And I said, mate, Brian, if you told me I had to be a coach for the next four years, I'd say I'm going back to Sydney. I said, if you told me I had to do sponsorship for the next four years, I'd go back to Sydney. He said, so what are you saying? I said, mate, I don't know what I want to do. He said, well, just keep doing what you're doing. I said, we're not doing much. He said, just keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, long story short, for 13 years, I was uh, post-football, involved with the Melbourne Storm, and people used to say, what do you do? And I'd just say bits and pieces. (laughs) So So it was a Robbie Kurds lounge, though, wasn't it? There was, there was, there was, uh, which was basically every home game, I'd turn up, I'd get a special guest such as a, a Dane Swan or a Wayne Carey, whoever it might be. And get them up on stage, talk absolute turkey to them, <laughs> and uh, and get blind drunk. Sink your pots, yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically, I can yeah. attest to that. And they, yeah, <laughs> Sammy's been there once or twice. Well, what was the pot count that you needed to say? Oh, I've done my job tonight. Oh, it'd definitely be more than fifteen pots. <laughs> more than fifteen pots. But I used to get up there, and I, you know, no responsible service of alcohol in the Kearns Lounge. <laughs> uh, I'd say, guys, you pay good money to be here. Drink as much as you can. I don't want to see anyone walking out. <laughs> Make sure you roll that. But uh, no, it was fun times at Melbourne Storm. And, and as you said, Ralphie, I was basically employed to be the good time guy at Melbourne Storm. 
And he was. And, and yeah. uh, was and is. And, and Could you pick anyone at Collingwood who might be suited to that role? Oh, I reckon I'm most probably, yeah, one, one or two. <laughs> maybe Jordan DeGowie, maybe Dane Swan. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good. But anyway, I've, had, uh, I've, had, I've been blessed Melbourne Storm. They've uh, looked after me for a long time. I'm still involved with them, even though not full-time anymore, but I'm still involved in the part-time role. And, and just to finish with, because we have a thing called Math Science, how, how do we invest money on this uh, on this origin work? How can we make money on it? Oh, the origin. Obviously, the, obviously the, the Queensland are the better side. The oh, wow. <laughs> I, thought, I thought New South Wales was going to win game one, and uh, in saying that, last year, I did not pick one game out of three. Right, so don't listen to So I'll fade you, you not listen. So the, like. the so-called expert is not an expert. But uh, I just feel that uh, last time they played in Perth, you're a Perth girl, Sammy. She uh, is. New South Wales won the game quite convincingly. Um, not It's not obviously a home home ground for them, but they played very well over there. I think... Uh, at years, Where is it? It's over in Perth. No, oh, is it at Optus, is it? Optus, yeah. yeah. So, so I've just, over the journey, no, I'm not. Um, over the journey, I know if I went over there, I'd come back in a body bag. I can't <laughs> do that these days. <laughs> over the journey, it usually gets a game three with a decider. Yeah. It's, mm. you know, it's boring as batshit. I don't know whether it's scripted or what, but it's boring as batshit when it goes into a dead rubber. So I'm just thinking New South Wales have a lot to play for. Queensland might take their foot off the pedal and uh, New South Wales will come home with a bang. I've got a question about the great Billy Slater. Obviously, yes. we've seen him step into some coaching shoes and as you've mentioned, he's come up through his rugby league career behind or led by Craig Bellamy, the greatest yes. coach of all times. How do you think that he's stepped into his new role? Do you think the, the players are bought into it? Because a lot of the players that he's coaching, he's played with. So there's that relationship there. Do they believe in him? Is it going to go well? What do you what do you see for his coaching career? And do you think it'll go further? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, he's set the world on fire so far mm. and he comes across. I mean, when, when he first came down here back in 2003, he could not string – a Two words together. He's mm. come a long, long way, mm. and um, but yeah, I, when when they sort of threw his name up for the job last year, I said, "There's no way he hasn't even coached an under eights team, mm. let alone a state of mm. origin team." It's the biggest job in rugby league coaching, mm. yeah, you know, in, in, in here in Australia. And I just said, "Mate, too big a job." But uh, so far, he's handled it well. I've spoke to him about it. He's and he was that excited for it to start. <laughs> Uh, you know, and this is, you know, six weeks ago. I said, how's it all going? He said, mate, I'm pumped. I can't wait for it to come around. I'm like, far out. I did not want to see one bit of nervousness about him. Mm. And uh, so he set the world on fire. Apparently he's uh, and he's a great coach. And Craig Bellamy often says he's, set, he's learnt more from the big three than any other coaches he's had. Right. As in from Cooper and, and uh, Billy and, and Cameron Smith. They, they have football brains on them. Mm. They're very, very smart, unlike Dana and myself. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I feel like he's uh, – well – Obviously, one game one, and he's only one game away from winning a series. So, I think he's got a big future in rugby league. They're already talking about him being a possible takeover from Craig Bellamy. Yep. Uh, but I know Billy's got so much on his plate at the moment. The three games a year suits him well. He's got a lot of commentary. He does his horses. He's got mm. his farmers. He's better around. on a horse than you. Sorry? He's, he's be better on a horse than you. Oh, slightly. <laughs> slightly, Ralphie, I think. Is, yeah, he, is he taking his job seriously at the Slater Lounge? Because didn't... <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't the Kearns Lounge get bumped for the Slater Lounge? So is he, is he taking that as seriously? Swanee, you know, he never took off, mate. He <laughs> never took The Slater <laughs> Lounge just didn't have the same same feel about it. Yeah, exactly. And before we let you, you mentioned the big three. Who is Ooh. the big one? Who's Ooh. the who's who's the best out of them and the best player? Yeah. I, Joey Johns, Thurston, yeah, anyone I, else? I, uh, again, Swanee, I got to play with those three players. Greg Inglis. I also got Huge. to play with Greg mm. Now, he, on ability, 
strengths, everything, all the attributes you need is to be a good rugby league player. He's that far ahead of the game. GI, yeah. GI, absolutely. Super, yes, really, absolutely. But when when they had to get rid of a player, it's, it came down to consistency. The big three were consistent every week. They were you know playing the, the eights, the nines every week. Yep. Where Greg Inglis would come out with a fifteen out of ten and go missing for the next sort of four or five weeks. So Craig Bellamy did the right thing. Proof in the pudding that shows that, uh, yeah, he did the right thing and kept the right players. But Greg Inglis, uh, I feel, is the greatest player the game's ever seen. Wow. Personally. Huge. Uh, I got the play of Joey Johns. I still think Joey Johns is, you know, if not the best, if, you know, second best next to GI. Good really? stuff. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.